Welcome to the Word Podcast. The Lord God has given us His Word. Let us learn it. Let us live it. Let us rejoice in it. Spread the Word. Blessings, everybody. This is Dale. Thank you so much for joining me on the Word Podcast today. Uh, We're continuing our examination of the book of Ephesians, and we're just getting started in it. And if you've been with us in recent episodes, you know that. (laughs) We've done, I think, the first two verses of Ephesians. What we've done is gone back to Acts to see uh, how the gospel was brought into the region of Ephesus and to understand what occurred. You know, so often we think, well, they came through and they had a revival meeting. People heard the, uh, (coughs) excuse me, preaching and the gospel, and they repented, and everybody lived happily ever after. Okay. Well, when you read the scripture, that is not at all what happened. Okay. And I think sometimes we have a very, very uh, uh, jaded and misconstrued understanding of what it really means to be saved and brought into the kingdom of God and what's going to happen. Okay. Yes, you will have a new heart. Yes, you will have a new life. Yes, you will have trials and tribulations and persecutions. The Lord promised that. He promised it through Paul's writing to Timothy. He actually told Timothy, all who desire to be Christ-like will undergo persecutions. And so what's happened? Paul brought the gospel in. He left Priscilla and Aquila there in Ephesus, and Paul left. And then he returns later. And when he comes back, uh, he determined that he needs to go to Jerusalem, and he had a plan, and he sent a couple of people ahead into uh, Macedonia where they were going to go and work their way uh, back to Jerusalem. But Paul stayed in Ephesus for a little while. That's what it said in Acts chapter 19, verse 22. Then in verse 23, it says this. About that time, there occurred no small disturbance concerning the way. Uh, Now, the Christian faith was called the way then. Okay, that's how people refer to it, the way. Well, what was this not a small disturbance? When it says no little disturbance or no small disturbance, that means it was a big disturbance. Well, what was this big disturbance? Verse 24. For a man named Demetrius, a silversmith, who made silver shrines of Artemis, was bringing no little business to the craftsmen. Okay? So watch this. Uh, There was a man, his name was Demetrius. He was a silversmith, so that means he was a jeweler. He made things. And he made silver shrines for Artemis. And Artemis was their god, also called uh, Diana. Okay, so if, you've, uh, if you're familiar with any uh, Greek or Roman mythology, you'll know the goddesses Diana and the goddess, goddesses Artemis. Now, there's some real interesting things that we're not going to go into in great detail right now, but I, I think it would do us well to understand some things. A lot of times when we read the scripture, and uh, we see these gods, <clears throat> we think, well, those were just foolish people back then, and we know that those gods were not real, and they're not the true most high God. It is true that these are not the true most high God, but there are foundations of truth behind these things. Is there a God Artemis? Is there a God Diana? Are there other gods? There are other gods. And what will really help you a lot with this is to be familiar with Dr. Michael Heiser's uh, writings and understandings, particularly related to uh, uh, Deuteronomy 38 uh, and Psalm 82, particularly Psalm 82. Let me just give you an example. All through Scripture, you'll see references, Old Testament, New Testament, about that we're not to uh, 
uh, placed the Most High God over other gods. Okay, over other gods. And people say, well, yeah, I believe that, yeah. But they don't believe that there's other gods. They'll say, oh, well, I believe that people believe there were other gods, but there's really not. But why all these statements in Scripture about not uh, placing other gods above the Most High God? Okay, that would be like saying that uh, uh, Secretariat, the great racehorse, okay? Secretariat, the great racehorse, is the greatest of all unicorns. Okay, we know there's no unicorns. Then why would you say that Secretary is the greatest of no unicorns if there is no such thing as a unicorn? Why would you say that God is the most high God of all gods if there weren't other gods? And the truth of it is this, that there are other divine beings. Now, hear me carefully and hear me quickly. They are not the most high God. Okay? They're not the most high God. They're not the most high God, particularly in his triune nature of God the Father, the Son, the Spirit. But there are other Elohim. Elohim. God calls himself Elohim, and he is Elohim, but there are no other Elohim that are like God. But you see that there are other uh, divine creatures like this that God has created. And he uses them. And then Psalm 82 shows us that he has a divine counsel. Okay, a divine counsel. And he, uh, and there's a passage over, I want to say 2 Kings 22, don't hold me to that, but there's a great, great story over there about how God uses his divine counsel. <clears throat> well, some of that divine counsel rebelled against God. <clears throat> they rebelled against God. And when the nations of the earth rebelled against God and the nations didn't want to do what God wanted them to do, he says, okay, I'll tell you what, I'll give you somebody else to be over you. And he gave them these rebellious uh, uh, divine council members, for lack of a better term, okay? And out of those have arisen a lot of what I think is the Greek and the Roman mythology, these gods, Diana, God Artemis. They would have various names, but they are these uh, uh, supernatural creatures that are behind these things. Folks, they're real, okay? They're real. And when you get that understanding of the divine council, and how God created these things. And you see the passages in Genesis 6 and in the book of Job about the sons of God. Even in uh, Psalms, you'll see some things about the sons of God. Well, who are these sons of God? That's who they are. Okay, They're, they're these, these, these entities, okay? Uh, these, what we would call, divine supernatural entities. Now, they're not God. Again, they're not God in the sense of the most high God. But there are other things there. So watch what happens here. With that understanding, obviously there's a lot more to that. Verse 24 again of Acts 19. For a man named Demetrius, a silversmith who made silver shrines of Artemis, was bringing no little business to the craftsmen. These he gathered together with the workmen of similar trades, saying, Men, you know that our prosperity depends upon this business. So here's what was happening. Uh, Demetrius made these silver shrines, made these little godlike things, and their business was being impacted by the gospel. You know, I can give you several examples of how that's actually happened, even within uh, recent times, <coughs> within the times of some of our lives, okay? And he gets he gets the silversmiths together, and he says, you know what? Our prosperity, our money depends upon our business. But watch this, verse 26. You see and hear that not only in Ephesus, but in almost all of Asia, this Paul 
has persuaded and turned away a considerable number of people, saying that gods made with hands are no gods at all. So you see what Paul was preaching. Paul was preaching uh, the Most High God, and he was telling these people, hey, you know these gods that you're making by hands right here? They're not gods at all. Now, over in Corinthians, Paul writes and says, it's not the idol right there. It's the demon associated with the idol. Okay? There is a demonic power that will latch itself to those idols. There will There is a, the concept that you can breathe life into this thing, okay? And the demon will be associated with it, and there's some things that will happen. But what Paul was saying right here to the church of Ephesus is, hey, no, these things right here are not gods. Let me tell you about the true Most High God. And a considerable number, a great many people, a large crowd, this is the various translation, of people were believing that, and they were leaving their idols and turning to the Most High God. You see Paul saying that in First Thessalonians, about that that's what they had done at Thessalonica, that they turned from their idols of wood, stone, and, and various precious metals, and they turned to the Most High God. Well, when that happened right here, it actually had a business impact, okay? And Demetrius was furious over it because it was costing them money. Well, my time is up, but we'll continue the next time. But just think about that. Can you imagine how and what the reaction might be when it's costing them money? (laughs) Yeah, it doesn't take much of imagination, does it? Well, again, I'm Dale. I'll see you again next time. Goodbye.